It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. It's the big one. Well, the last proper full episode of the year because it's Christmas. It's my last full episode of this year and my second December episode and it's packed full of stuff like a big bag of presents or a cracker about to explode. We've got a look at a rude Christmas with Bottom, some festive podcasters reviewing some British Christmas adverts, the big winner of the Christmas number one showdown, more festive snacks, and to kick us off, a look at a man sometimes labelled the king of Christmas here in the UK, Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard, birth name Richard Webb, was a proper rocker in the 50s. He copied the American rock and roll style of the likes of Presley and Little Richard, working with a backing group called The Shadows to have hits in the UK such as Move It, Living Doll and I Love You, which was a Christmas number one for the group in 1960. His musical moniker came from the fact that Cliff was like rock and Richard came from Little Richard. His fame grew in the UK, but he could never break into the American market despite many attempts. Cliff and the band appeared in a bunch of movies too in the early 60s, such as The Young Ones and Summer Holiday, musical stories of young lovers and rock and roll life. The 60s then brought the British Invasion and the Beatles, which sort of pushed Cliff out of the top spot amongst the young. He also found religion more during this time, becoming an active evangelical Christian and using his fame to spread that message. But he continued to make music and got a bit more fame after appearing in Eurovision for the UK in 1968 with congratulations, only narrowly missing out on the top spot by one point. He branched out to be a solo performer then in the 70s, doing another Eurovision in 73, and finally getting a hit in America with 1976's Devil Woman. By the mid-80s, he'd received an OBE from the Queen for services to music, and survived a horrific car crash. His 30th year in music brought more success with the big focus of this episode, a Christmas song called Mistletoe and Wine. The child is a king, the carolers sing, the old is past, there's a new beginning, dreams of Santa. Dreams of snow, fingers numb, faces aglow. It's Christmas time, mistletoe and wine, children singing Christian rhyme with logs on the fire and gifts on the tree. Time to the song was actually written for a musical called Scraps by songwriters Jeremy Paul and Leslie Stewart 
first performed in 1976 in London. The song started as an ironic take to soundtrack a girl being kicked out into the snow, but it eventually evolved into a lusty pub song performed in one set of performances by the famed model Twiggy. But Cliff came along in 1988 and liked the song but rearranged it and changed the lyrics to be more Christian. It was released in November as his 99th single, selling 750,000 copies and hitting the top spot for four weeks and claiming that Christmas number one. The song strangely was used in a drink driving PSA but I suppose the references to wine give it that link. It's become a British staple here on most Christmas compilations and is often heard on the radio or in stores at Christmas. It's quite cheesy and some people don't like it but I think that's all part of the charm and despite his rock origins he's become a bit of a cheesy British music figure. He's since released other festive songs and a recent Christmas album that's mostly covers and I may look at those in a future episode. Recently, the coffee chain Costa banned the song from their stores after customers voted it the least favourite Christmas song. How dare they? Anyway, there's not a lot of covers of this song by big artists, perhaps because it is so cheesy and linked to Cliff and being from the UK, but I found a few. First up is a couple I found on YouTube, starting with Indian vocal group Layan. With locks on the fire and gifts on the trees It's time to rejoice in the good that we see It's Christmas time, mistletoe and wine Children singing Christian rhyme With locks on the fire Next up is a Polish band called Blue Calf, who bring a bit more energy. Searching on Bandcamp, I found a guy called Hugh J. Noble mixing up the music with the original lyrics to make something slightly sinister. Not deceiving, love and laughter, joy ever after, as with the taking, just follow the master. Christmas time, mistletoe and wine, children singing, Christian rhyme, with logs on the fire, gifts on the tray, time to rejoice in the And sticking to the sinister for this odd stomp of a folk cover from the folk collective The Rough Band from Leon C.
And finally to a slightly classical cover with Alan Jones, the singer famous for Walking in the Air with a tenor called Russell Watson from their festive album in 2022. Dreams of Santa, dreams of snow, fingers numb, faces aglow, it's Christmas time, mistletoe and wine, children singing Christian rhyme, with logs on the fire and gifts on the tree, a time to rejoice in the good that we see. Time for living, a time for believing, a time for trusting, not deceiving. Love and laughter and joy ever after, eyes for the taking, just follow. Why don't you check out another podcast in the Christmas Podcast Network? This holiday season, experience the joy of rewatching the same TV specials you watch every year in podcast form. It's the Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. Count down to Christmas Eve with a new episode every other day in December about a different holiday show, from the must-watch classics to the lost treasures at the bottom of the DVD bargain bin. Learn the answers to questions nobody asked, like, when is a magic hat you throw away no longer yours? How many Muppets can fit inside a farmhouse? How did cavemen know about Christmas? Why is Elf making me cry? Subscribe now at adventcalendar.house and get 12 episodes every December. But that's not all. You'll also get 12 more episodes during Christmas in July. Why am I talking like a car salesman? It's a free podcast. It's the Advent Calendar House, a podcast on the internet. It's the Advent Calendar House. For the last episode of the year, I've picked one of my personal favourite TV shows, and a classic British show that's disturbing, violent and chaotic. Perfect for Christmas. And very cheekily titled, Bottom. I've covered the show before, but only for a Halloween episode, but there's a festive one too. And maybe festive's not quite the word, but anyway, Bottom is the brainchild of two British comedy legends, Rick Mayall and Aid Edmondson. They met at Manchester University and did comedy shows together, leading to a show called The Young Ones about a bunch of teenagers in 80s Britain, a show with lots of anarchy and chaos. The name of the show was actually taken from a Cliff Richard film that I mentioned earlier, and Cliff appeared with a cast in a reissue of the song. The pair drifted away from each other for a little while in the 80s, but came back together to work on a new sitcom idea about two flatmates in Hammersmith, London, Eddie Elizabeth Hitler, played by Aid Edmondson, a man described as having no morals and as a devious entrepreneur, and Richie Richard, played by male, as a snivelling moralist hypocrite and, as they point out often, virgin. Rick Mayle said of the writing process that Edmondson did the typing and he allowed me to go off to the off-licence to buy all the drinks. The show was first called Your Bottom, for the joke of people saying I saw your bottom on TV last night, but it became just bottom, solidifying the name after Rick Mayle found out that a BBC executive disliked the name. The first series aired in 91, with two more series following, ending in 95 after 18 episodes, with them saying basically they'd run out of ideas after bashing everything around in the flat. But the show became a cult classic and the pair toured as the characters for live stage shows, as well as a spin-off film called Guest House Paradiso in 99. The show mostly consists of the pair coming up with terrible schemes to make money or get girls, and then failing and often attacking each other quite violently. 
They have a few friends who visit, including Spudgun and Dave Hedgehog, played by Christopher Ryan, who was also in The Young Ones and, in an odd Christmas link, appeared as Vout the Elf in Santa Claus the Movie. But the festive episode of Bottom is called Holy, and it was the fifth episode of the second series, airing at the end of October in 92. And it begins with Eddie sleeping as Richie plays some festive music and sneaks in dressed as a well-known Christmas figure. Eddie has set a trap to capture and hang this so-called Santa. Merry Christmas, Santa! Cut me down, Eddie! Uh, I mean, little boy! It'll cost you ten quid, Richie. I'm not Richie, I'm Santa Claus! Oh, oh, oh. Then it'll cost you ten quid Santa Claus. Oh, all right then. Here you are. But Richie returns to continue the magic. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Eddie. I thought I heard sleigh bells. Has he been? Oh, he has. <laughs> oh, joy. Oh, joy. Let's open our presents. Oh, look. Mine's bigger than yours. That must mean I've been a nicer boy than you. Richie, go back to bed. It's only half past three. I told you, no present opening till half past seven. <laughs> Come on, let's see what Santa's brought us. And he gets counting the presents. Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's another Brussels sprout! <laughs> Thought so. Hey, we must have enough for a whole Christmas lunch now. Good old Santa, he thinks of everything. Right. Now, that's present number 113. Another Brussels sprout. <sighs> Mustn't forget the thank you letter list. Don't want Santa to think we're ungrateful, Eddie. After opening the presents, they get started on Christmas Day, but Eddie is not allowed to relax. Another 27 hours of Christmas to go. I don't think I'm going to survive it. I'll have to blank out in front of the telly. You hold that finger right there, young man. No one in this house watches the telly until the Queen's speech. But it's Noel's Christmas family video accidents. <laughs> I don't care. We're English here. We're going to do Christmas properly, all right? Well, unless there's a Bond film on, obviously. <laughs> And he's quite annoyed about the dinner options. Not sprouts! I hate sprouts! Oh, will you stop whinging, Eddie? Nobody likes sprouts! Then why are we having them, then? Because it's Christmas! <laughs> and look, we've got guests coming, remember? So i better get on with my turkey. And the cracker jokes start up, too. Now, Eddie, crackers? Yes. <laughs> it's never stopped me so far. <laughs> no, I mean, have you got the crackers? No, it's just the way my trousers hang. <laughs> Eddie, enough of the crackers jokes. Right, I'm talking yes. about the things you put in your hand and pull. <laughs> well, I've got one of those, but I'm not going to stick it on the table. And they find out they're all out of brandy, but Eddie has an idea. Vodka margarine! <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, Eddie. Are you sure it's flammable? Well, I anticipated your concern, so I spiced it up with a couple of cans of hairspray. <laughs> that is... Brilliant! Well done. That's sorted. Right. Then Richie starts panicking and Eddie lays out a thought for the day. <laughs> oh, I despair. I really do. And look! It's half past eight already! Half past eight and all's crap! <laughs> I've got to get into my kitchen. 
After a chopped off finger and a Christmas tree fire, Richie welcomes the guests, Dave Hedgehog and Spud Gun, who are both quite confused. Uh, hello! Gosh! It's been... what? Raining? <laughs> no, 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 it's been ages. What is? Well, since we last... you know... We never, you know, with you. <laughs> no, it's all going wrong. It's silly. Look, come in, come in. Come ye, come ye. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember? Uh... <laughs> I thought you said it was being put away before Christmas. Yeah. And drinks are served. Drinks coming right up. <sighs> oh, what's that? <laughs> Gravy. Gravy. <laughs> Yes, gravy. Somebody drank all the sherry, didn't they, Eddie? <laughs> but Hedgehog is still confused about the day and everything else. Today? Oh, Merry Christmas, then. That must be why that woman gave me that aftershave this morning. What woman? Oh, you know, that old woman who keeps hanging round the place. You know, Eddie. What's her name? My wife. <laughs> Andrea. Oh, no, Avril. That's it. No, what am I thinking of? Susan! That's the one. <laughs> and Richie, of course, continues the horrid Christmas jokes. <laughs> oh, no one. Oh well, worth it for the joke, eh? Cool, what a magnificent bird! Yeah. <laughs> Get some every year! A burnt turkey and potatoes lead to a Christmas pudding being set alight and going up in giant flames. Eddie, switch off the lights! Right out! <sighs> <laughs> And in usual British tradition, post-dinner games with cracker hat crowns on, with only Richie caring. Yeah. We still can't hear you. Yes, but I'm not allowed to speak, otherwise I'm out of the game. Right, well you've just spoken, so you must be out of the game then. No, 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 alright, right, stop, stop, new game, okay? <sighs> now look, 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 when I go like this, it means it's a film, alright? So, it's a film. Right, well, what's it called? No, you're supposed to tell me. Well, don't you know? If you don't know, we could be here all night. No, no, no. But you have to guess. Why don't you just tell us? It'd be a lot quicker. <laughs> because... Oh, all right, stop, stop! And Eddie wraps the game up in anger. Goldfinger! Right? Hedgehog! <laughs> yeah. I'll have Goldfinger as well. But you can't have that. Eddie just had that. Let's look, let's just all have Goldfinger and then pack it in, OK? Right. Spud gun. Goldfinger. <laughs> right. Now that's that over with. OK. But a twist with the doorbell going off to reveal a surprise package. I've got a baby. <laughs> we don't want a baby. Get rid of it. We're happy as we are. <laughs> Why spoil everything? We'll drift apart. I mean, he's bound to come between us. And Eddie envies the baby. What a way to spend your first Christmas. 
What, lying on your back with a bottle in your mouth? It sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> During this process, Richie has put a blue towel on his head to make the baby laugh, and the three so-called crown-wearing kings give presents to the baby. You can have my Christmas present. It's a box of Terry's all gold. We'll have to wait for his little teeth to come through before he can manage the cherry ones. Oh. Yeah, look. He can have my Frankenstein mask. I was going to scare the shit out of Richie with later. <laughs> and you can have my bottle of aftershave. It's a new one. It's called Grr. Leading to a revelation from Richie. And you're all wearing crowns. I thought you said you weren't. No, I know, but I am really. I was fibbing to look hunky. And the power of the role goes to Richie's head. I'm not going to let the arrival of the Son of God spoil my Christmas. <laughs> Ooh, there's going to be some terrible things happen to you when you finally pop off. <sighs> yes. I shall have a word with Richard Jr. here's father. You know, my husband-in-law, God. <laughs> to make sure you get a right proper roasting and no mistake. It's not just my flat now, it's my universe. My name is now Richard Mary. Until the landlord arrives to reveal the truth. Bugger off, you sad git. Now, where's my grandson? Your... grandson? Well, you deaf. My daughter left him with me to look after. She's coming back in a minute. And the flatmates get one final surprise from the arrival of the mother. Oh, thing, he's hungry. I'd better feed him, bring him over here, Dad. You don't mind, do you, gents? Um, no, no, you go, no, right go, get out of here. <laughs> Merry bloody Christmas! <laughs> it's super gross and disgusting and violent and bloody, which, you know, might not be that Christmassy, but it's hilarious and very British. It encapsulates a lot of the rather repetitive festive traditions and stereotypes of a bad Christmas celebration from rubbish presents to horrid Christmas dinners to irritating games. And the crude nature is pretty much always at the expense of the two main characters, who are not to be admired or praised. They're both idiots, and that's the way it's meant to be. It always makes me laugh how it escalates to the Virgin Mary ending, and the physical comedy is worth watching too, with slapstick, bloody noses, and stapled fingers galore. So check out A Bottom Christmas for some hilarity, and maybe horror, this season. In the last couple of episodes, I've tried a few festive treats to share some British snacks that may not be available elsewhere to give my thoughts honed through years and years of eating lots of Christmas junk food and putting on a fair few pounds in December. I've kind of been grading them in two areas, although it's very arbitrary. Firstly, how festive they look or seem out of five mince pies. Five mince pies super festive, one barely festive. And then tastiness out of five Christmas puds, again five being the most tasty and one being the least tasty. And this week a few things to talk about, three things to talk about. The first one is something that is another savoury treat. Um, and these are some Sainsbury's crisps that were labelled uh, as part of the festive um, selection. And they are flavoured brie and bubbly, which basically seems to come down to the cheese brie and champagne or prosecco. And so I had to try these. Well, firstly, the, the brie flavour is there. You get this cheesy flavour that is, I suppose, brie-esque, not completely brie. And the uh, bubbly is the weirdest thing. I was not expecting there to be actually a bubbly feel, but it 
it feels bubbly on your tongue. The mouth feel, I suppose, to describe it is kind of like a bubbly flavour. It almost feels like, you know, when you have a bit of champagne and it lingers and bubbles around in your mouth. Weird. Kind of interesting and unusual, which I quite liked. Flavour, quite nice. I quite like sort of cheesy crisps anyway. Um, so maybe three and a half, maybe four for flavour. Not very festive particularly. I suppose the bubbliness increases it. I'll just give it a two maybe out of five for festiveness. Um, but that was the savoury thing I thought I'd try this week. And then I've got a couple of sweet things. One that I've tried before and love. And one that I haven't, although I could probably guess what it's going to be like. So I'll start with the one I haven't tried before, which is a M&M uh, chocolate um, shape. And it's a, uh, well, from the outside, it's wrapped with uh, the M&M figures, dressed as Santa Claus in a Santa shape. And it's got um, a milk chocolate outer shell with, I think, mini M&Ms inside, chocolate M&Ms. The chocolate itself is moulded well. You've got the shape actually adhering to the shape that's outside. Um, is it festive? I don't know. M&M's festive. M&M's just take over everything, I think, now. Um, I suppose, you know, the Christmas look is quite festive, and the design continues when you open the wrapper and see the chocolate. So I give it three out of five for festivity. I usually quite like M&M chocolate, so let's give it a bite. So yeah, the chocolate's just the normal Mars-style chocolate. Not too bad, not the best chocolate. Not super creamy or milky, but quite nice in its own way and quite nostalgic for me because I often have um, sometimes, you know, bigger chunks of things at things like Easter using this sort of chocolate. Three out of five for the taste. Um, more fun is the mini M&Ms inside. They are um, very mini, very small, very little tiny crunchy M&M bites and they're quite fun. They're just, you know, they, they taste like M&Ms. But it's quite a little fun how small they are and quite sweet and they rattle around inside. Uh, and then finally, uh, a old favourite for me. This is something I just had to talk about because I love it. It's one that I look out for every year. I suppose it's something Cadbury trying to match their popularity of mini eggs at Easter, uh, which if you haven't had mini eggs are egg-shaped chocolate basically with sort of a crispy outer shell and a softer chocolate inside. And they thought, let's do that at Christmas. And of course, we can have snowballs, which are little Cadbury's chocolate inside. And then on the outside, a um, crisp sugar shell dusted with ice sugar. So it makes it look all white. And because of the icing sugar, I think it adds this snowy feel to them. So they, to me, herald in the Christmas season, even though, you know, they're just little snowball chocolates. I think the festivity for me definitely goes up to a four out of five because they make me think of Christmas when I see them. I often look out for them quite early on, trying to find a bag in uh, August or September. And then when I uh, try my first ones, it makes me feel a bit like Christmas. Um, and it's Cadbury's chocolate, which I think the recipe has changed in recent years. And while I do agree with many that it's not as good as it used to be, it's still very nice. I still enjoy it quite a lot. And the snowballs I really enjoy. I think it's the crunch and then the softer chocolate inside. Um, just make them quite moorish and quite um, uh, exciting to eat. And you want to keep going back and grabbing more till the bag's all gone. Uh, so definitely a four out of five for the snowballs. They're one of my favorites. And if you do get a chance to try them and you haven't tried them yet, definitely try the Cadbury snowballs. They're a lot of fun. 
There are probably loads of Christmas chocolates and treats out there that I haven't tried. If you've got any that you particularly like or love that you'd like me to try, let me know and maybe I'll try and get my hands on them for sometime next year or um, maybe even at the start of the year or the end of the year. Or if you've got something you'd just like to tell me about and I can keep an eye out next year to try it if it's really good. I'd love to hear that because I do love snacking. I love my festive snacks, chocolates, crisps, whatever I can find. So let me know if you've come across something interesting. Hi, this is Scott from Holly Jolly Xmasu, your podcast destination for Japanese Christmas music. If you like Christmas music and are tired of the same old songs, this is the podcast for you. Join me each month as I explore my collection of Yuletide albums from Japan, featuring everything from city pop to 80s rock, long-lost jazz, and psychedelic garage rock. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It's some of the greatest Christmas music you've never heard. In the last couple of years, I've roped in some Christmas podcast mates to help me out because there are simply too many Christmas adverts here in the UK that need reviewing. So this year, I've got another motley crew of festive experts to look at British Christmas adverts. And we start with Scott from the brilliant Holly Jolly Xmasu to talk about a Wonka-inspired Audi advert. Season's greetings. This is Scott from Holly Jolly Xmasu, your podcast destination for Japanese Christmas music. Adam asked me to review this year's Audi Christmas ad, he couldn't have picked a better ad for me because I love the Audi stores here in the States. This year's ad, Kevin and the Christmas Factory, was inspired by Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. This is the sort of ad we don't seem to get in the U.S. anymore. It's clever, well-written, and clearly had a high production budget. It starts with the five young winners standing outside William Conker's Christmas Factory. It features trumpeting sprouts riding a boat down the Gravy River. The young veggies who won their way into the factory fall victim to their own shortcomings, much like the children in Willy Wonka's factory. The greedy, gluttonous grape decides to drink from the gravy river and falls in. The selfish stalk of rhubarb is taken out of commission by bubblegum exploding in her face, while the spoiled little sprout, who wants a mince pie now, gets caught up in the machine that smashes snowballs to frost the pies. Next, the mischievous kiwi gets coated with scalding hot chocolate, which then hardens, incorporating him into one of the Christmas puddings. Finally, our hero Kevin the Carrot, who's the only good little veggie of the bunch, shows William Conker his spirit of generosity by handing out gifts to Conker's little plum helpers. William awards him the cheese to the factory, after which Kevin shares his good fortune with the other winners, apparently curing them of all their bad habits. This is a really cute ad and does a great job combining Roald Dahl's classic story with Christmas. From what I can tell, these Kevin the Carrot commercials have been running for years, at least since 2016. The better ones remind me of the kind of ad you used to see in the 70s and 80s. In other words, fun and memorable, and good enough that they could run for several years, rather than a brief window. Audi in the US is a bit different than in the UK, known more for their low prices than anything else but I'd love it if they'd run ads half this enjoyable. It looks like all the old Kevin commercials are available on YouTube, so if you get a chance, check them out. 
I want to thank Adam for asking me to review this, and I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. And next up is Bob Baker of the Festive Foreign Films Fans Podcast, a great new addition to the Christmas Podcast Network, with Bob looking at the supermarket Tesco in one of my favourite adverts of the season. This is Bob Baker, one of the co-hosts of the Festive Foreign Film Fans Podcast. On our show, Mark and I watch and discuss foreign Christmas films. So this was a perfect assignment for me to review a British Christmas advertisement for Tesco Supermarket. Now I love commercials that tell stories, real stories. It is not something that we have very often here in the States. Most of our advertisements are much more direct and usually involve some kind of prescription drug and its lengthy side effects. Plus, I think it is so effective when it is not apparent as you watch what is being sold. Obviously, a commercial is intended to promote and market items to purchase, but the message in this advertisement is very subtle. There are different food items shown, but no labels, and they are used to support the unfolding story. And it is the tale that is central to the commercial. I am amazed at what can be covered in a short two minutes. We get humor, drama, pathos. It starts with a father who is shopping at Tesco's with his teenage son. When the dad takes a holiday sample, he becomes a Christmas tree, much to the disgust of his son. Later, his mom also returns from Tesco's and starts to serve mince pies, and she turns into a snowman again to the boy's embarrassment. All around, others are laughing and enjoying the holiday with festive parties and becoming Christmas characters. Nutcrackers, snow globes, Christmas puddings, ornaments, gingerbread men. And yet, the young man still remains sullen and unhappy. At one point, the boy watches his father being a goof and slightly smiles and we see a little bit of a tree poking out of his sleeves, which he quickly covers. Later, we see the boy observing his mother and father watching an old video of when he was little, and he is happily clutching a homemade Christmas star that he made as a child. Later, when the same father and son are driving, dad wants to play jingle bells on the radio, but the annoyed teen turns it off. And finally, when they stop, Dad hands his son the old homemade star and tells him, Merry Christmas. When they get out of the car, the son is no longer the glum teen, but he is a Christmas tree like his dad and wearing the homemade star on his head. While funny, it is also quite touching. This commercial is all told with less than 20 words being spoken and is mostly depicted to the tune of OMC's How Bizarre. The message from Tesco is helping you become more Christmas. And with the colorful look and the costumes, it's true. Everyone is happier. They even win over the rebellious teen. It is warm, it is comforting, and it is everything I want my Christmas advertisements to be, but don't usually get in the U.S. I love that there is a seeming competition to create the best, most heartwarming and talked about commercials of the holiday season. 
Now this is a British tradition that I wish we could import here. Cheers, Adam, and happy Christmas. And now from someone who I've guested with on a couple of occasions, the wonderful Mike Westfall of the Advent Calendar House podcast, who looked at the iconic British store Marks and Spencer's advert with Dawn French and some North American stars. Hey, this is Mike Westfall from the Advent Calendar House, coming to you from sunny central Florida, where you all take your holidays. And Adam sent me an ad to watch for Christmas food from a place called M&S. I had never heard of it before watching this ad, and my initial guess after watching it was that it was a chain of grocery stores. Well, that was wrong. Turns out M&S, which stands for Marks & Spencer, is more of an everything retailer that also sells food. I think the closest equivalent over here that I'm familiar with might be Target, which I just found out sells M&S food items during the Christmas season. Looks like they've got cookies and chocolates and wine and little tea tin shaped like a house you'd find in the mini Christmas village. So I think I'm going to have to go over to Target later and take a look. I'm intrigued now. Anyway, this commercial was really cute. It stars a Christmas tree topper that's shaped like a little fairy who comes to life. And she also brings a pair of mittens lost and left out in the snow to life as well. It's a pair of little kids mittens with the string to keep them together and they're shaped like little reindeer with buttons for noses. So Adam had asked me if I could recognize the voices of the mittens, and I did. It's a couple of actors from my side of the pond, the right one. The mittens are named left and right, and right is Ryan Reynolds. I recognized his voice right away. Left took me a bit longer, but it is Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I also recognized the voice of the fairy. I had to guess... And it turned out my guess was right. It is Dawn French. So she brings these mittens in. The left one, played by Rob McElhenney, was buried outside and starts to complain. Oh, I've got snow right up my... Before the fairy interrupts with Merry Christmas. And then the snow melts off him when he comes inside and shakes it off. And Ryan Reynolds' mitten whispers, he does that when he gets excited. Oh, how nice. A pee joke in my Christmas food commercial. They've given these mittens a whole backstory that they tell for no reason other than to be cute. They belong to a little girl named Lily who was visiting from across the pond and they fell out of her loose backpack and got buried in the snow. That's it. And they get into a bunch of Christmas food and that's the whole commercial. It is really well animated, a bit silly, but I guess for an ad to show you all the Christmas food you can get at M&S, it does the job fine. You know, I can't speak for every American, but for me at least, Christmas dinner's not really a big thing in my life. It's not the event it seems to be in the UK. It seems like that is the cornerstone of a Christmas day, is a big feast at dinner. But that, that's not something I've ever experienced. But I see commercials like these, and they are very inviting, very cozy. And I hope your Christmas is as inviting and cozy as this advert was to me. Thanks, y'all. And finally, the big one every year is John Lewis, who went away from the weepy to the silly this year. And Cousin Chad of the Christmas Cousins podcast, one of the funniest and most original Christmas podcasts around, explored this big one for me. Hello, hello, and welcome, or should I say ho, 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 Christmas Cousins and Merry Britsmas podcast fans. Thank you so much. So Adam asked me to take a look at... The John Lewis ad snapper, The Perfect Tree. Actually, he asked both Christmas cousins, Cousin Seth and myself, I'm Cousin Chad, 
but Cousin Seth wasn't available. He's also scared of、uh, snapping trees, like in this commercial. So I wanted to spare him this. So my thoughts: I had no idea what to expect. I don't know what John Lewis is. It's not prevalent or big in the United States.、Um, so I thought, okay, this is just going to be a sappy, run-of-the-mill standard commercial. He plants the tree. Over time, he's going to watch it grow. And my first thought was, oh, we're going to see one of those time lapses where. You know, it gets very maudlin, and the boy is growing with the tree, and、uh, you know, but, you know, one of those kind of things. But it it was pretty mind blowing, actually. I wanted to sit here and go, okay, I'm going to you know make fun of this commercial, <laughs> but、uh, it was really great, actually. He he finds the tree. It's not a normal tree. It's like a carnivorous plant tree,、uh, and. He ends up having a, an affection with this tree. They they get a bond together. The whole family is like, okay, but the tree is crazy. He's different. He's eating things. So they take it outside. They replace it with a standard, perfect-looking Christmas tree. You're like, maybe it's going to end there, but no. The kid says, I don't mind if it's a misfit tree. I don't care. I love this tree for what it is. I'm gonna go outside. He looks outside. The tree's huge now. He takes his Christmas tree under the perfect tree, brings it outside. To this carnivorous tree, and he puts the plant under there. The tree is happy. The family inside watching is moved. They go outside and they decide, okay, we're going to put our trees there. Another twist. Now the tree that's outside decides it's going to. It looks like eat all the plants, which is hilarious. But he doesn't. He just opens the gifts for everybody, throws it in their arms. They get it. Everybody is happy. It's really heartwarming. I still don't know what John Lewis is, but the point of it was make your own traditions, grow your own traditions. It was really wonderful. The crowd watching with me loved it. Like I said, it was. They got a lot covered in one short two-minute commercial. It gave me definitely all the Christmas feels. Merry Christmas! I want to grow my own traditions, and we all need to remember things don't need to be perfect to be perfect for us. Things can be different. Things can be exactly whatever meaning we want to imbue into them, and that's what I got from this little commercial. So I don't know what it is. Adam, fill me in. I want to go shopping now at John Lewis. I want to get this tree. I want to grow it. I want to explore and 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 just kind of see what else is out there. Why do we have to have this standard tree? It was beautiful. Everybody, again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Merry I'm Trash from the Christmas Presents podcast, and my mind's kind of blown. Thanks so much to all my guests. Check out their podcast when you can. I'll put links below. I quite like all these adverts, to be honest, this year, and I really do enjoy the new John Lewis one because it's interesting how they went away from the usual sad story and pop song covered in a slow style to use madness, opera, and a little shop of horrors twist. I wonder what they'll do next year. And finally, it's time to reveal the results of the final in the big Christmas number one showdown. Remember that I randomised every Christmas number one, which is almost seventy songs, into matching pairs, and they've been facing off on social media until we get down to one winner, which happens today. There have been big names knocked out over the tournament in the last few months. To recap, just a few: we lost Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, Don't You Want Me by The Human League, Always on My Mind by Pet Shop Boys. All of the Beatles songs went out throughout the tournament, and we lost a bunch of festive songs, including a couple of big ones. Shaken Stevens' "Merry Christmas, Everyone" went out in the semi-finals, and Slade's "Merry Christmas, Everybody" went out in the group before. But we got down to three final songs, 
with a surprise Spice Girls inclusion and two British festive classics. And the final three are placed as follows. In third place with 9.1% of the vote. Not a surprise considering the focus, but did very well to get this far. And I'm a big fan of this song, so I'm happy it made it this far. The girl power group, The Spice Girls, with Too Much. In second place, with 22.7% of the vote, a super melancholy British song, the glam rockers Mud, with the Elvis-inspired Lonely This Christmas. What can I do without you? I've got no place, no place to go. It'll be lonely this Christmas without you. And so the winner, with a whopping 68.2% of the final vote, a charity super smash full of pop stars. So many they couldn't help but win. The best British Christmas number one is Do They Know It's Christmas from the super collective Band-Aid. I'm going to pop the trophy around to Bob Geldof and Midyear this weekend. Perhaps they can arrange a joint custody share scheme. So that's the last episode of the year. Or is it? There may be a surprise bonus episode with some of my favourite new for 2023 British Christmas songs to share with you soon. So keep your podcast eyes and ears peeled. However, it's goodbye from the normal episodes for this year and this Christmas. Merry Christmas to one and all. I hope you have a wonderful season with good fun, friends, family, food and whatever makes you happy. I'll take a little break in January, but I'll be back with an episode in February to lift those early year spirits. A happy blooming Christmas to you and all.